Let's pray. Father, we come before you to hear you. Lord, I ask that our ears are attuned to your spirit. Your spirit moves upon your people in our hearts. Father, I understand this, and I know that my brothers and sisters understand that, that this is not the word of men. This is not my words. These are your words. And Father, may you take them, seal them to our soul, that we may walk in the power and the majesty of you who only spoke existence into being. And Father, we would hear from the King of kings and Lord of lords, as children, as heirs, joint heirs with Christ Jesus. His precious bride, holy and pure, lifted up before all mankind to see. To your glory and praise. Amen. You foolish Galatians, who has bewitched you before whose eyes Jesus Christ was publicly portrayed as crucified? This is the only thing I want to find out from you. Did you receive the Spirit by works of the law or by hearing with faith? Are you so foolish, having begun by the Spirit... Are you now being perfected by the flesh? Okay, what we're doing is, is we've stopped out of Corinthians, 1 Corinthians 12 on spiritual gifts and are dealing with the person of the Spirit, the Holy Spirit. Why? If I'm going to deal with spiritual gifts, I probably ought to know what he's about. And I believe that in our day and age today, I've asked many of you, Paul started out 1 Corinthians chapter 12, verse 1. I do not want you to be ignorant of the spiritual gifts. And I asked you, Church today, how does she look when it comes to spiritual gifts? Pretty ignorant. Okay, what's wrong? Well, and I think that it's a snowball effect. I believe it's something that has happened. I believe it's something that is ongoing. And I think a lot of it is, is dealing with the person of the Holy Spirit. And I shared with you that there are several uh, entities that have moved into the church. If you look at 1 Corinthians, the world was coming into the church, affecting the church. And the th church thought it was becoming more spiritual. Truth of the matter is, if you look at the church in America today, it's a mirror image. All right, we are taking the philosophies of man, the wisdom of man, the understanding of man, bringing it into the church and trying to make it look more godly. Uh, we've had what you would call, I call it the experiential movement. Uh, basically, some of you would call it the charismatic movement. And I believe they have swung it so far over here that I kind of look at it this way. They blame the Holy Spirit for everything. Okay, and then you move over to what I call the liturgical side. These would be the Orthodox. And those are the guys who sit around like this and say, we're not even going to talk about the Holy Spirit. Why? Because you know what that leads to. People could raise their hands or something when they're praying. All right? And so we get, we, we literally, we don't want nothing to do with the Spirit. Shh, don't wake him up. He's going to bother us. Paul is getting on the Galatians saying, are you now perfecting your walk with Christ by your own energy? And this is what I asked in this area that I'm in now on the person of the Holy Spirit is what is your dependence on? When you got saved, how dependent on the Spirit of God were you to be saved? Well, it was absolutely, it was His work. So if you're going to walk with Christ, walk as Christ, if you are going to deny yourself and take up your cross and follow Christ, if you are going to be a manifestation of Christ, how are you going to do that? Well, I'm going to go read my Bible every day. I'm going to pray. I'm going to get me a prayer journal. I'm going to watch nothing but Christian TV and listen to nothing but Christian radio, and I'm going to be just like Jesus. Really? And somebody cut you off in traffic, and you'll be just like Who? The murderer. <laughs> you will. It's that instantaneous, isn't it? And I, I, I wanted to show you what the Holy Spirit did because at your salvation, let me give you a real quick list. This happened instantaneously. Okay? You were convicted of sin. If you were never convicted of sin, then you never got saved. All right? You've got to get a hold of this. I know people today that says, well, I just want to hang out with Christians. Why? Because they're safer all right if you've never been convicted of your sin please i don't want you to be convicted of my president's sin okay we, we have a, we love to be convicting of other people's sin well i'm not as bad as that no your sin if you were convicted by the holy spirit of your sin that would have produced repentance Ooh, there's that word again yes repentance repentance me listen it, repentance isn't i got caught 
Repentance says, I see this, I have turned from it, and I'm moving a different direction. All right, you've got to get a hold of that. It isn't, uh-oh, oops, that ain't it. If, it does, if you haven't got a change of heart, there's something wrong. All right, because you will have an energized faith. I've never met a human being in my almost 50 years of existence who does not have faith. But what is your faith in? All right? If you are saved because you've been convicted of your own sin, because you have been brought to repentance, you will have a faith in the things of God. That brings about what the Baptists like to call born again. Why? That's what the Bible teaches. Uh, The Presbyterians call it regeneration. I've been regenerated. And I'm not sure what that means. I think it's like charging your battery. But anyway, but it's regenerate. Why? You are a new person. The heart of stone has been removed. The heart of flesh has been put in. It's no problem. All right. You are now indwelt by the Holy Spirit. He's not in a process of indwelling you. You know, I hear people say, well, I, I need to be spirit filled. I've only got about a quarter tank of Holy Spirit. What? No, if your spirit's filled, your spirit controlled. All right, you're indwelt. How much is it of the Holy Spirit is in you? All of Him. You didn't. Oh, I only got the fingernail of the Holy Spirit, therefore I just scratch everybody. No, you you are completely filled with the Holy Spirit. You're indwelt with the Holy Spirit because you're indwelt with the Holy Spirit. You are immersed into the body of Christ. We call that baptized into the body of Christ. Okay, because you've been baptized into the body of Christ, you have been gifted. You have been supernaturally enabled to serve. Already happened, people. This is not a progress. You've got to get a hold of this. This is yours already. All right? Because I have been gifted and I'm insecure in the body of Christ, I am now secure in my confidence of the things of Jesus Christ. Therefore, I have been separated from sin and death. Sin has no power over me and death has no power over me. I have no fear of, of death. I have no, power, no fear of sin. I have the ability literally, you know, I was an alcoholic once. No, you weren't. You were a sinner. Okay? And now you're not. All right? That happened at that point that God invaded your life. All right? Now then, what has happened? All right? What's the Holy Spirit do now that He's invaded my life? First, I showed you, and I'm just, this is review, but you have an intimacy with God. You can literally go to God right now. You don't have to call the pastor up and say, can you pray for me? I mean, there's nothing wrong with that. We need to pray for one another. But you can literally go into the throne room of the Lord God and call him Papa, Abba. You have that. It's now. The Holy Spirit allows you to do that. That's cool stuff. Okay. You also now, because I have that intimacy with the author, I now have an understanding of the word. Um, I shared with you Shakespeare. I had to do Shakespeare when I was, I, what an evil man. They, everybody, that every class, every time I was in college, any kind of schooling or high school, they don't do it in high school now, you had to do Macbeth. That is the dumbest thing i ever seen in my life. All right, and all I, was, all I could ever ask is, I would give anything if I could set old Bill Shakespeare down and say, what were you thinking? Okay, you know what? When it comes to the Word of God, I could set the Spirit of the living God down and say, help me see this. What are you telling me? So I have an understanding of the Word. Because I now have this understanding of the Word, I now, the third thing was a majestic view of the glory of God. 2 Corinthians 3.18 says that we behold with unveiled faces as within a mirror are being transformed from glory to glory by the Spirit. What are you beholding? The majesty and glory of God. You're being transformed. Did you hear what I said? Who's being transformed? Christians are. You should be able to look in the mirror and they say, you know what? That looks like Christ. It has a Christ attitude, a Christ character to it. But he also, because of those three, he gives you personal guidance. Absolutely specific in the little details. We have a time that we want uh, great big decisions are getting ready to be made. We go to God in fervency, right? Help me, help me, help me. You know what? He gives you the details. That's why when the disciple says, will you teach me how to pray? He says, pray in this manner. What manner would that be? Give us our daily bread. You know what that means? The necessities. Help us with the details of life. Too many times we're cruising along. 
We're doing exactly what the Galatians did. We started in the spirit and now I am going to finish it until we get ourselves into a little problem. And once we get into the problem, we run over to daddy. Help me, Papa. Abba, help me, help me, help me. Okay, can't do it, man. You've got to be there in a life of dependency, moment by moment by moment by moment. The walk of Christ is that. It is one step, second step, one step, second step. That's what it is. It isn't, well, I'm going to... No, you missed it, okay? Because I have personal guidance. Because of this, I also now, the fifth thing, is the Holy Spirit ministers... Okay, now check that word out because I want you to think about minister as a servant. We in our, our society today says the pastor is the minister. Let me tell you something. If you're saved, you're the minister. Okay, you are a servant. All right? And you serve by the power of the Holy Spirit other believers. You literally, the Holy Spirit will use your vessel to serve me. That is cool. But the Holy Spirit will also use this vessel to serve you. That is how I can see the Holy Spirit work. Through you. Why? The Holy Spirit. It's spirit. You know what that means, right? Can't see it. So if I'm going to see his manifestation, how am I going to see it? It will be through you. And he does it in miraculous ways. He'll bring together a body of people that are completely as opposite as the day is long and bring them into an absolute unity that only exists in the Trinity of God. And they will be one in God and they will work and they will manifest Jesus Christ. And everybody will sit there and go, whoa, or wow, however you want to spell it. You see what I mean? That's the stuff that you and I have to pay attention to. Now then, the Holy Spirit didn't do all of this, okay, and give us no battery. If you're a parent, you've had that trauma on Christmas morning where you got that cherished toy that the child had to have, had to have, had to have, had to have. You got it, they open it, they pull it out of the box, they tear it apart, and they push the button and nothing happens. Because it says right there in the fine print right on the corner, no battery included. Right? And the child is traumatized forever and has to get professional help and everything. Right? We've all experienced it. Right? All that I've given you, intimacy with God, understanding the word, majestic view of the glory of God, personal guidance, ministering to the saints. Where do you get your energy for that? I run down to the Holy Spirit battery store and buy a Holy Spirit battery. No, you already have it. He strengthens us for all of this. Okay? You've, you've quoted it. We've sang it. Not by might. Not by power. By spirit, says the Lord. He is the power source that is behind it. He energizes what I, he, he energizes the reality of this. Listen, there is a bunch of you in this room who have all of these puzzle pieces of theology and you've never plugged in to the power source to see the theology realized in your own very life you've just never seen it alright you got theology I understand the trinity I understand baptism I understand eschatology I understand soteriology I understand all of this and yet when I look at your lives or anyone else looks at your lives your lives look just like any human being you're cruising along making your decisions if I do this then this will be the outcome if I do this this will be the outcome <clears throat> whose energy source are you using you know what they tell me that one of the largest single occupations that you can get into to see nervous breakdowns and um, what do they call it being burned out is the pastorate Okay? And you know what? If I go look at what it is I'm supposed to do, I'm not even going to step into that job. I'm thinking a lot of these guys need to burn out. Okay, why? Whose energy source are they using? Whose energy source are they using? This is basic to Christian life. It has to move from its potential to fact. To fact. And if it doesn't, then you're the cause. You're the cause. Power for spiritual living has got to come from the indwelling spirit of the living God. 
And if it doesn't, then you are no different than any human being. You want to see joyful life? You want to see a productive life? You want to see a victorious life? What energy force are you going to use to produce that? Power of the Holy Spirit moving into the inner man. Move with me to Ephesians chapter 3 verse 14. Ephesians chapter 3 verse 14. I'm going to cover a lot of stuff really fast and I'm praying that God has given you the ears to hear. For this reason I bow my knees before the Father. Paul is getting ready to ask Abba Father for something. Okay? Paul says, I'm getting ready to ask something. I'm bowing my knees before the Father. Ephesians chapter 3, verse 14. He says, I need you to grant something. But he's really cool the way he asks it. Verse 16, he says, you would grant according to the riches of your glory. Now, that's really cool because I'm thinking, what is the limit of his riches? And I'm thinking he ain't got any limit. All right, so out of that, I want you to grant something. Okay? All right. What would it be, Paul? That you would be strengthened with power. Hmm. Power. Don't you find that a fascinating verse? I think it's a fascinating verse. That ought to rock your world. That ought to cause you want to jump up and act charismatic. Paul is saying, according to the riches of glory, not out of the riches of his glory, it's according to the riches of his glory. Let me give you an idea how that looks. He cannot look upon sin. There's no sin around him. Okay, you didn't get that one? All right. He created the angels. Okay, you didn't get that one either. He spoke existence into being. Oh, you didn't get that one. Isaiah says that the waters will fit in the hollow of his hand and the span of his hand is creation. Hmm, Uh, it's not registering, is it? How much glory does he have? Let me ask you a question. How many stars are there? Just a question. Um, How does gravity work? Oh, no. How many species of fish are there? How many feathers are on a bird? How many hairs are on owl's head? (laughs) Do you see what I mean? He only knit you in your mother's womb. He saved you before he laid the foundations of the earth. Other than that, what is his riches? He wants to bless you according to him, not out of him. That would be Bill Gates. Bill Gates, the richest man on the planet earth. If he blessed you okay, out of his riches, he could give you $100 million. Okay? Now let me tell you something. If he wants to give me $100 million, I'm going to say, well, okay, fine. All right? And that would still be a lot of money, right? But it doesn't touch his fortune. His fortune is such right now that if there's an economic collapse on a global basis, it still won't touch his fortune because it is repetitive in, a, in an interest. If he just got 1% interest on a bank note, how much money would he generate monthly? Okay, but if Bill Gates came and says, all that I have is yours, that is according to the riches. Okay, now then, what does God own? All right, so he says, I want you, according to the riches of your glory, to strengthen these in the inner man. In the inner man. How much power is that? Verse 20. Verse 20, chapter 3, Ephesians says this. Him who is able to do far more abundantly beyond all we could ask or think according to the power that works within us. All right? What is the limit of it? Beyond your imagination, beyond what you could ever ask, and it will only be abundantly. Now look at the church today and tell me what you see. Okay, I look at these words here and I say this is unimaginable and it can't be calculated. I don't know the limit to it. And it will be strengthening of the man in the inner man, the dwelling place of God the Spirit. Now let's ask yourself a question, simple question. How much energy is that? How much energy is that? 
I mean, if you really think about it, to create everything that you understand, he only spoke. I mean, he didn't even break a sweat. And it didn't take overtime. He just spoke and it was done. He can do beyond what you could ever ask or what you could ever think. And it's there. The redeemed inner man, the dwelling place of God, the Holy Spirit. This list that I just gave you has an energy source that you and I cannot imagine. It is beyond what you can ask. Now, now I want you to kind of get a handle on it because I can take that and you can sit there and go, okay. But what about it practically? I mean, tomorrow morning I have to get up and I have to go to work and then leave me and open it. How about practically? What is well? How many of you have ever heard of spiritual warfare? Okay. How many of you think it's that little girl on The Exorcist that? has projectile pea soup vomiting thing going on. Let me explain something to you. That is not spiritual warfare. That is Hollywood. Okay? Did you know that the stuff that you see from Hollywood is not real? I wasn't sure too many. Yeah, I didn't know that the force could be with you. But anyway, um, I want to show you what spiritual warfare is because I believe many of us miss what spiritual warfare is. Don't get me wrong. We are at war and we are definitely dealing with something that you don't want to mess with on your own. Go to 2 Corinthians chapter 4 verse 8 is where we'll start. Okay, Actually, I want to just kind of pick up the thought because um, he starts it in verse 7 as the paragraph break. Uh, I want you to think about spiritual warfare. Okay, Spiritual warfare is their demons absolutely. Okay, fallen angels. I agree with that absolutely. But I want you to, I want you to understand something. If I've been secured in Christ, Amen. all right, and I'm indwelt by the Holy Spirit, you can't, you think he's going to let a demon cruise in there? Amen. Because let me explain something. Without a whole lot of work, God's sovereign, demons ain't. Amen. And I see too many people giving demons way too much credit. Amen. My, I remember I had a lady one time come up to me and she says, I need to speak to you, sir. And I said, all right, what? She says, do you know there's angels all around you? And, yeah, I kind of had thought that at some point. Yeah, she says, you know, I can teach you how to talk to those angels and make them do things for you. And I says, no need. She says, but they're angelic hosts. I says, I know they're boss. Okay. I don't need to deal with no angels. Why? They are messengers. I'm an heir. Do you know that they wait on me? I don't need to chit-chat with an angel. I don't care if it's a holy angel or a fallen angel. Why? I know who my papa is. And my daddy can whip your daddy. Okay, do you see what I'm trying to get at? What did we just do? We all of a sudden made God this second-rate amateur deity. Well, we're just trying to help him. Okay, now let me explain spiritual war for, for you, all right? Look how he starts it out. Now, you've got to understand, 2 Corinthians is ministry. You want to know what the ministry is, you read 2 Corinthians and you're going to be kind of depressed. Anyway, uh, we have this treasure. Stop right there. What treasure would that be, Paul? Context, context, context. We do not preach ourselves, but Christ Jesus as Lord ourselves as bondservants for Jesus' sake. Let me tell you something, brothers and sisters. That's the treasure right now. That is the mystery that has been kept for the ages until this age. This age is the church age, and we have it right now. I have this mystery. Guess who he's talking to here? The preacher needs to go out and preach Christ. No. The elder needs it. No. Who preaches Christ? Children of God. You know what? You do it when you simply partake of the Lord's table. Did you know that? You are proclaiming His death until He returns. You are proclaiming the good news of redemption every time you partake of the Lord's table. Did you know that? Alright, so you are a clay pot. Sorry, I know you thought more of it. But, you know, you're just a clay pot. But in that clay pot, we have this 
gospel of glory of Christ, who is the image of God. We do not preach ourselves, but Christ Jesus is Lord, ourselves your bond servants for Jesus' sake. Okay, and the light shall shine out of the darkness, and there's what the treasure is. All right, got that? All right. But we have this treasure that's in earthen vessels so that, grab a hold of this, the surpassing greatness of the power will be of God and not of ourselves. You got that? We hate preaching today. Did you know that? We do. The church doesn't like preaching. And yet he said it would be through the foolishness of preaching that I'll change the hearts of men. Amen. And you know what? We concluded, well, that's foolishness, so we'll try to do it another way. I remember a guy stood up and said, we want a dialogue about God. And the other guy stood up and said, let me tell you something. God has never dialogued. It is thus saith the Lord. And he is not asking you for a comment. And how many have the audacity this day to say, but let me explain this, Lord. We are a new civilized society. And God says, no, no, you're not. Okay, let me show you. Read this on that thing down to here. All right. And the power of God will be revealed and not, not of ourselves. Cool. I want the power of God revealed. I do. That is a passion of my being. I want to see God change lives. But right, look what it says. We are afflicted in every way, but we're not crushed, perplexed, but not despairing, persecuted, but not forsaken, struck down and not destroyed, always carrying around the body, dying of Jesus so that the life of Jesus may be manifest in our bodies. You got a hold of that yet? That there will wear you out. That there will wear you out. Why? Who gets the glory in the spiritual war? You know what? I hear people say, well, you just need to bind the demon. Who keeps setting him loose? Okay? I, why do we keep binding demons? They don't listen. My kids don't listen to me. I know that a demon ain't going to listen to me. And that's why you can be in this war and you will times you will find yourself completely perplexed. But you will not despair. You will find yourself afflicted. But you know what? You will not succumb to the affliction. Why? You're already in the spiritual war. He goes through that whole thing there and he shows you that spiritual war comes to you on a physical and a spiritual side. That's ministry today. He says, you know what? You can be discouraged in the ministry today. Do you understand that you could have the greatest heartbreak that you've ever experienced in your life in the ministry? Did you know that being in the ministry will have a wear and tear on the physical and yet the flesh will be strengthened for the task that God has set before us? How do I know that? Now, you're still in that context. All right, just cruise over to chapter 10. Chapter 10, same book, verse 3. All right, because he's still dealing with this war that we're in. Listen, you're saved today, you're in a war. Now, you may be a prisoner of war. You may be in full retreat. Or you may be on R&R someplace, you don't know the war is going on. But whether you like it or not, you're in war. Okay? Look what he says, verse 3. Though we walk in the flesh, we do not war according to the flesh. All right, remember where I'm coming from. Okay? You were dependent on the Spirit of God for what? For your salvation. And now all of a sudden, what are you doing? You're trying to do it in your own flesh? He says, you walk in this, but let me tell you something. Our warfare is not of the flesh. We do not war according to the flesh. We do not use the tools of the flesh. This is why I get tired of hearing people say, well, you need to share the Romans road of salvation, or you need to force spiritual... Is it four? I don't know. How many spiritual laws? You got to do this. You got to do that. Wait a minute. That's walking in the flesh. You know what? The first person I ever led to Christ, I jumped headlong into the doctrine of predestination with them. And they got saved and been walking with Jesus ever since. And there's people sitting around going, what? Well, why didn't you deal with that? It was great. Okay, they asked me and I told them I was saved. When did you get saved? Before the foundation of the world. God predetermined and I walked up. And there they go. Well, you can't teach that. Well, I didn't. The Bible did. All right, here's what it says. Look what he says. For the weapons of our warfare are not of flesh, but are what? Divinely powerful. For what? The destruction of fortresses. All right, I'm ready. Let's crank it up. 
I'm ready. Let's go out and kick butt, take names. All right? But look what it says that these fortresses are. Okay, it's for tearing them down. I don't want to do this by human means. I don't want to do this by the flesh. I don't want a war by the flesh. It's not going to be done by methodology. I can't do this by manipulating people, telling you a really sad story, making you cry, and you love Jesus. Okay, I'm going to get into a battle. It's not manipulative. It's not human. It's divinely empowered. Okay, what are these fortresses? Look what these fortresses are, and I guarantee you, you've missed this. What are they? Destroying speculations. And every, look what it says, lofty thing that is raised up against the knowledge of God. And we are taking every thought captive to the obedience of Christ. That's your spiritual war, people. Ain't got nothing to do with some dude with horns and a tail and a pitchfork. Okay, let me tell you something. The war started this way. The spiritual war of the ages started this way. Has God said? That's how it started. You know, it didn't come up, spit green pea soup, twist the head around, act, do some weird magic trick. It was just this easy. Has God said? The spiritual war that you exist in this very moment, right now, is over speculations and things that are exalted above God. You don't think I ain't kidding you? What does science say? How old is the earth? Okay, my calculation is, and science bears me out, no civilization is before 6,000 years on this planet. You know what my Bible says? That's about right. 5984. Well, but you just don't understand. You just lifted something up that goes against God's word and you have lifted that up against it. You've taken a speculation. You've taken an idea of man and we have to tear these down. We have to tear them apart. How are you going to tear them apart? How are you going to tear them apart? You gotta, listen, you walk into somebody and say, you know, I talk to angels and I think the white buffalo is going to be the next Messiah and what do you think? What are you going to do with that one? I'm going to give you the four spiritual laws right upside the head. What are you going to do with that one? Well, next time Billy Graham's in town, I'm getting you a free pass. What are you going to do with that one? What are you going to do when everybody and their brother thinks that what you believe in is nuts? Don't you understand that unless we get the Republicans or the Democrats in, nothing's going to go right? I got news for you. I read the end of the book. It ain't going to go right anyway. I don't care who's driving. Get a hold of this, people. You better get a hold of this. Spiritual war is none of this junk that is propagated in the church today. Spiritual war is this simple fact. It's for the hearts and minds of humanity. What do you think? What is your philosophy? What is your purposes? And everything I see is against that and it's lifted up. And we are to tear these things down. How are you going to do that? Just walk in and tell them. I remember uh, two or three years ago. Is it three years ago? I think it was three years ago. Um, I was asked to go down to Western State College and, and talk uh, to some Christians down there. And then I got to talk to some of the professors and all the rest of it. And I was going to discuss evolution. Okay? And they were all like, hey. you know, and they expected me to walk in with my Bible and just slap, slap them all the rest. I took science in. Showed them that evolution is impossible. Okay? It's impossible. It is physically impossible. Okay, by science. Second law of thermodynamics is where I started. Anytime you have an expelling of energy, you have a decline of matter. Hmm. That makes evolution impossible. Why do we age? Well, they will tell you it's second law of thermodynamics. I'll tell you it's sin, but that's, that's a whole different argument. And I knew they weren't ready for the sin thing. Okay, I had an opportunity to teach at a university in Orel, Russia. And, and I talked about making disciples because everybody was in that school was making disciples. And I said, but here's the thing that I can do that you can't. All right. Now, I, you do that. You roll that one out in a college class and they're all going, oh, you want to bet? Yeah, I'll bet. <laughs> okay. If you do the things you've heard and received and seen in me, the peace of God will guard you in everything. You can't do that. Oh, go, 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 go. Okay. Why? These things are lifted up against the knowledge of God. 
Okay, the understanding of God. We can take every single thought captive to obedience of Christ. Did you know that? What method would you like to use to try to do that? What human energy would you like to accomplish that in? Can't do it. We can strengthen to do beyond all you could ever ask or think. Let me ask you a question. (laughs) Do you believe you can run and not grow weary? Well, I'm not going to look up and make eye contact with anybody, but I want to ask you a question. Why do you look weary? I know why. I know what power source you're running on. You run on your own power source, you're a fool. You have such spiritual strength that you can live in a spiritual level, that you can tear down every false system that Satan has built to stand in opposition against God. And it's through the wisdom of man. Okay, and the only way you're going to do it is through spiritual weapons. You know what? I only have one. I like God. He doesn't confuse me. I have one spiritual weapon, offensive weapon. I like it. I don't want to have to, well, let's see. Do I want the big one or the little one? I have one. It's the word of God, sword of truth. Holy Spirit is the source of our strength. That's where your victory is going to come from. Where? Grabbing and taking every thought captive. Why? I... It it will help you. It will carry you. It will strengthen you. In John 14, 16, Jesus goes to the upper room discourse. He's going to explain the coming of the Holy Spirit. One of the best dissertations to understand what the Holy Spirit is going to do. And he says, I'm going to send you a comforter. Okay. And everybody thinks in big fluffy blankets. Okay. And that means I'm going to be warm all year round. Okay. Um, No, the literal word means to carry the load. I'm going to send you someone to carry the load. How come I see so many Christians that look squashed? Because they're carrying the load. Bless your hearts. Bless your sweet hearts. But he never told you to carry this. Why? You couldn't hang on the cross. He said, I'll do it. I'll do it. And I tell you what, my love and my power are so big that I'll come as as the spirit and I'm going to, Carry the load for you. You know what? Truly walking with Christ is the easiest thing you'll ever do. The big problem is you want to go do it. I'm going to be Jesus for Jesus. Jesus doesn't want you to be Jesus. He says, I already got it done. He holds us in the fellowship of his strength. He enfolds us. He gives you strength for the ministry. He gives you strength for spiritual war. He gives you strength for your burdens. It's all there. He's already doing it. I have a power source. You know what? He gives you the power. Now, sit down. I know this is going to be tough. He's going to give you the power to evangelize. And I know that's true. Acts chapter 1 verse 8 and Romans 15 verse 13. He says, I shall send you. You shall be my witnesses. When? After the Spirit comes upon you. He gives you the power to praise. We all want to sing. Hallelujah, Jesus. And sing all kinds of cool songs. And, and, and Absolutely. But you know what? You're only going to get this out of Ephesians chapter 3, verse 20. And Ephesians chapter 5, verses 18 to 20. Because that's the only time it's acceptable. Is when the power of the praise comes from the Spirit of the living God. Right there, if it stopped, that would be fine. But it doesn't stop there because it gives me power for relationships. You know what? If you're human today... All you are is a relationship-based being. That's all you are. And if you go to Ephesians 5, you'll find out that a spirit-filled wife will submit to their husband. You ever seen a woman try to submit to their husband who isn't spirit-filled? I have. Whoa. Okay? But, uh, yeah, I could say more, but I'm not that dumb. All right. I also know that a spirit-filled husband will love their wives as Christ loved the church and gave himself. And I've seen men who want to love their wives as Christ loved the church and want to do it in their own energy. Can't do it. Can't do it. And you know what? I can tell it every time you're doing it because that's as bad as a woman trying to submit to her husband. Okay? A spirit-controlled child will obey its parents. A spirit-controlled parent will not provoke their child. He even deals with spirited and, and filled employees, employers. What part of that is it, is it covered? None. None. Hmm. Power for our every relationship that you'll exist in. 
He also gives you empowered for effective service. It's all energized through the Spirit. There's no human means for this, people. I love you. There's no way that you can do this humanly. What human technique would you use for this? Well, if I go do a study on a spirit-filled woman, then I'll go be a spirit-filled woman. No, you won't. Guarantee. Okay? There is no system, there's no seminar, there's no manipulation, there's no gimmicks that can do the work of the Holy Spirit, period. If you walk in the Spirit, guess what? You will not fulfill the flesh. And there's a word that's in there that everybody drops. Okay, it's out of Galatians 5. Walk in the Spirit and you will not fulfill any of the lust of the flesh. You know what the any is, right? That would be all of them. The lust of the flesh will not have mastery over you. How are you going to do that? Well, I just won't have TV. I won't have radio. I won't have people. I'll poke my eyes out, cut my ears off, and life will be good. I'll never sin again. No, you will, because you'll think about it. Okay? But if I walk in the flesh, I won't, or if I walk in the spirit, I won't have it. I will overcome sin. Which one? All of them. Do you understand that you can never be an effective witness for Jesus Christ unless you overcome your sin? It's impossible. My brother there shared in our Bible study this morning that holiness, you can never have maturity without personal holiness. That's so true. 1 Corinthians is personal holiness. 2 Corinthians is ministry. You've got to have the first one before you can get the second one. And I see people who want to go out and do the second one. Ah, who cares? I'm under grace. And you know what happens? They burn out. They get tired. They get awful. They get cranky. You've seen them. You know what I'm talking about, the cranky Christians? Once their foreheads are all wrinkled up like this all the time. I'm walking with Jesus and you're going to hell. <laughs> you, know, you know what I'm talking about? Then you just sit there and go, oh my God, I hope whatever you got ain't contagious. Right? And they're all out. I'm sharing my face because I'm supposed to. Please keep it. Okay? You overcome sin. Become an effective witness. You'll serve God with His power. If you serve God with His power, you'll give praises to God. The relationship with all of this, why would I take the Holy Spirit out of this? Why would I take the Holy Spirit out of this? Now, I want to wrap this up because I want you to think about some things. i got a list here. Some of you guys like lists. I think they're down in the nursery. Too bad. <laughs> I want you to think about this for a second because I was talking about spiritual warfare and I'm talking about the energy source that you have to deal with this. Okay, here's what he says. The weapons of our warfare, verse 4, are not of the flesh, but of divinely powered for destruction of fortresses. Destructions means the obliteration of it. I'm going to tear it completely down. All you're going to see is the rubble. Okay? We are destroying. Okay, so there's that word again. Tearing it down. Obliterating what? Speculations. And every lofty thing that is raised up against the knowledge of God. And we are taking every thought captive. Okay, so do you see where the battle is? It's in between your ears. Okay, no, it's not your eyes. <laughs> my eyes. No, it's where you think, where you reason. That's where your conscience is. Okay, if you look at it, God says, He Himself will sanctify you and your soul, spirit, and body. The soul is the eternal container, the body is the thing that some of us really want to get out of quicker than others. Okay? But the battle is right there in the spirit. That's where the Holy Spirit is and that's where you are. That's where your mind is. Okay? Now I want you to think about this for a second. Okay? Spiritual warfare takes the power of God to overcome it. And the battle is in the mind. It is, it is through the mind. The, the enemy wants to take the mind captive. God wants to grow the mind to make it stronger, more mature, more thinking like Christ. Okay? Spiritual growth comes between your ears before it will become outside. Okay? Spiritual war will start in your mind. Okay? So what does it look like? Let me explain it to you. I got, how many have I got here? Eight or nine. I didn't write numbers down. Let me show you how this war will fight you. Okay? First, it will snatch the word of God from you. It'll snatch the word of God from you. Why? You know what? I got some of you guys who are in college. Okay, Josh is getting ready to go to college, he thinks. All right, but some of you are getting ready. You're in college. And you know what? You are being bombarded almost verbatim, hourly, 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 with speculations and vain deceptions against the knowledge of God. They want to take you away from the knowledge of God. And they will call themselves Christians. If you don't believe me, go on your campus right now. Ask 
this simple question. Go find the little Christian groups that are on your school, because they're all over the place, and ask them, what do they think about worship? Okay? And I guarantee you, they will all say the same thing. And I can tell you what it is. We have one of the most awesome worship leaders in the world. You couldn't believe what this guy can do or this lady can do. What do they do? Plays guitar, plays piano, plays the drums, the xylophone, whatever, kazoo. Okay? It just takes you right into the presence of God. Is that worship? How does that look in light of Romans 12, 1 and 2? I thought it was a living sacrifice, holy and pure. This is your act of spiritual worship. Where do you do that? When the guy breaks out the keyboard? But you've got speculations that are coming down the pike that are what? Telling you that this is worship. Let me tell you something. If you want to get nervous about something, go watch happens. Go to the Old Testament and see what happens when men worship their own way before God. Okay? I'll give you one illustration. I stood in the valley that came up out of it where the Philistines lived. And remember, they, they captured Israel and took the Ark of the Covenant, and then they just, that box just caused them grief. And they decided they're going to send that box back. The Ark of the Covenant. Okay, that's the one that you know, Indiana Jones had. They put it in the warehouse. Okay, all right. They send it up on a cart behind a cow, and it's coming up. And Agas, the tribe of Dan, it hit a bump, and the Ark of the Covenant is getting ready to fall off. What would you have done? Reached out and grabbed it, wouldn't you? He did. God struck him dead. Why? That's not how you come to my presence. Okay, God is unchanging. Do you know that? How many people go into the presence of God with, what's up, dude? That's the speculations. What? They will snatch the word of God from you. They will snatch the word of God from you. Second thing they'll do. They'll fill your minds with lies, immorality, and false doctrine. Okay? People say, well, you don't listen to Christian radio. Uh Uh-uh. I'm not listening to lies. Why? The lost people, I know what they're saying. (laughs) I don't have to put the filters up. Okay? Here's another one that you and I need to be very aware of this day and age. All right? The world will drown us in a sea of sin so you become tolerant. Over and over and over. Fourthly, they'll entertain us with sin so it doesn't seem as evil as it really is. Okay? You know what? Homosexuality is an abomination. Okay? Read your context. Because the context says that lying and homosexuality are the same abomination before God. All right? And we don't have Christian white lies. All right? And I see it. I deal with pastors on a regular basis. And it's amazing. I always know exactly how many people I baptize. I think I know exactly how many people baptize since I've been a pastor. Uh, well, anyway. But why do we always round up? Why do we say our congregation is... We have 14 people, but it's about 50. We round up. Why? We want people to think that we, what? are doing better than what we do. Okay? That is the same abomination as homosexuality. See what we do? All right. Another one about in this world and sin. Let me ask you a question. How often do we laugh at sin that is on television and in movies and in jokes? See the war? How are you going to fight this? In your own energy? Sixthly, confusing our emotions by corrupting our desires. Okay? Confusing our emotions by corrupting our desires. Okay? It will take what you have as desire. And of course, you used the illustration this morning in science school. You were creating God's image. Okay? And being created in God's image, I am desiring that. It must be a desire from God, so therefore I probably should just go get that bugger, huh? Whatever it is. Okay? What'd you just do? You let the world corrupt you. 
into thinking that that desire was God-ordained. You better be real careful of that one. I see that all over the place. People today, you ask them if they've been in the presence of God during their worship service, and every, most of the people that I know will walk away and say, yeah, I felt God. What the heck was that? I mean, did he poke you? Did he pinch you? Did he tickle you? Did he make the hair stand up on your neck? Every time I see somebody goes into the presence of God, they freak out. They come back with, woe is me. I mean, I think about the angel that come to Samson's dad and said, you're going to have a son of a Nazarite vow for God. And he comes back to his wife and says, we're going to die. Okay. And I got these people who want to go out with Jesus and woohoo. Okay. I mean, John on the island of Patmos went up to the heaven and he said, oh, he was worshiping angels. He's just falling down on his face everywhere he went. Isaiah, Ezekiel, all of them go down the line. When they got into his presence, they were like, uh-oh. Okay? We confuse our emotions. And when we confuse our emotions, we'll corrupt our desires. Seventhly, it will draw our affections after the wrong thing. Writer of Hebrews says, don't be entangled by the things of this world. Paul to the Corinthian church says, all things are permissible, but not all things are profitable. And I will be mastered by none. People ask me, well, you know, nowhere in the Bible does it say you shouldn't smoke. And I said, no, it doesn't. doesn't say that. Are you mastered by it? Okay. And the other thing I'd ask, <laughs> is it profitable? Okay, and, and, and that's just, you know, what it says here that, you know, you, they're supposed to drink wine. That's fine. I don't care. Have you a glass of wine. Are you mastered by it? Okay, and is it profitable for you? See, that's the kind of stuff that I, you have to pay attention to. Why? We will have things that will draw us after the wrong things. I see people who drink and normally after nine or ten six-packs, no, um, <laughs> After a few, their moral standard drops. Okay? They will start having thoughts and feelings that they didn't have two beers ago. Uh, they become, what do they call that word? Uninhibited. Okay? All of this will conclude in the eighth thing, destroy our conscience so it's no longer will warn us. It'll no longer warn us and you have a conscience it's a warning system God's saying no this ain't right be careful be careful and what do we do let's shut up okay and then the last one it debilitates our will so that we do what we should not our will as children of God should be the will of God and too many times too many times we're more concerned about our will than God's will. Listen, you're at war, people. Here's the war. <clears throat> you're trying to tear down, destroy, obliterate speculations and things that are lifted up against the knowledge of God. You know what knowledge of God? Intimate relationship. The knowing of God. All right? Go try that. Go try that. Go try to talk politics to somebody. That's a blast. Okay? How do you conform somebody? How do you get them to see the light? Go try to change people's religious beliefs. How are you going to do that? How are you going to tell so many today that think that the universe is billions and billions? I'll be honest with you. I went back a few years ago, did a study out of first and second uh, or chapters 1 and 2 of Genesis, and I thought, well, I'll just go through quickly and get a chronology here and find out how many years that I come up with. And when I came up with 5983, I was kind of bummed out. I was expecting, you know, 25, 35,000 something, some kind of big number. And I come up with less than 6,000, I was sort of like, huh, well, I'd sound really stupid if I get up and stay. I think we're about 6,000. But then you had to think about it. Why do we believe that way? You know what? I grew up, they used to say they were brontosauruses. You know, there's no such thing as a brontosaurus. Somebody got a head on the wrong neck thing. So there's no such thing as a brontosaurus. Well, bummer. I always thought there was brontosauruses. Okay? 
Um, my dad died of a heart attack when I was a kid. They said that when you have a heart attack, what we want you to do is be still and don't do nothing. Okay? And then they since learned since that time that once you have a heart attack, you need to get up and get active and get after it because you need to get the heart back up and move and get more blood back into the damaged portion. So why do all of a sudden I put science and the knowledge of man above what God already gives us? Science used to say the world was flat. Job said it's a sphere. In the early 1900s, we learned that there's a hydrological cycle. You know, everybody talks about us wasting water. This is a good one for you guys who are in the ecology thing. We're wasting water. Okay, you know how much water the planet Earth has lost in its 6,000 years of existence? Two liters. They left them on the moon. Well, that's what they left. Two liters. Okay, because if you look at it, we learned this in the early 1900s, is that the water... Rains comes down to the mountain streams, blah, 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 goes out into the ocean. Heat causes it to form into a cloud. It comes back in, gets squished up against the mountains and rains and blah, 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 back down again. And it just keeps doing that. You know what? Isaiah described that. And he was just a prophet. Okay. See what we just done? I watched a church in, in Denver sit there and say, we're not going to take anybody under 40 years of age and doesn't have a Ph.D. in theology. And I just laughed at him. They said, hey, why are you laughing? I said, you just disqualified Christ from teaching in your church. He was 33, and I don't know what school he went to. Why? What'd you just do? What'd you just do? Okay? You're in a war, and there's only one way you're going to fight that war, and that is through the power of the Spirit of God. I've spoken two universities. I can't believe it. I think it's a hilarious. Okay. Um, you guys know my feelings about university. They're great. I don't know why they have classes. Okay. I mean, college is... Uh, I had a blast when I was in college. I just didn't understand the education part. Okay. And yet God says, Terry, go speak in these universities. You know what I go in with? Knowledge of the Most High God. People, you've got to get a hold of this. You've got to understand this. You're tearing down speculation. You have got to deal with the thinking of men. What are you going to do to change that? That's what you're in. So let me ask you a question. How would you be sanctified beyond this point? Let's pray. Father, I just give you praise for your word. Amazing things that you do through your spirit, through your people. Lord, I just cherish this time you've brought us to here. And Father, the amazing things you've already done. Father, may we be faithful. May we walk in the power that spoke existence into being. Father, may we walk in the eternals. Father, may we walk in the heavenlies. Father, let us draw upon you who spoke existence into being. Father, may we decrease, may you increase. Father, may you give us ears to hear this. May we draw upon you for every need. Lord, make your word alive to your people. Father, instill a hunger in your people for your word. Father, you've shown me there's a famine in this land and the people don't know it. And the famine is for the truth. Father, help us. Help us to see your truth. Help us to stand in your truth. Help us to cling to the grace that is in Christ Jesus. Help us to walk in the power and the majesty of the King of kings and Lord of lords. Father, until that time, may we be about your work. May we be conformed into your image. May we be held tightly in your ways and your purposes. And may we with confidence understand your word. And Father, understand that these fortresses that are everywhere, you and you alone are the power to tear them down. To your glory, amen.